0: I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. On the chilly night of February 9th, 2016, Donald Trump won New Hampshire. It would be his first primary victory. We want to thank the people of New Hampshire, right? Do
1: we love the people of New Hampshire?
0: And three days later, this article appeared in the Wall Street Journal. It's called Trump's America. There's nothing irrational about his appeal to the white working class. They have every reason to be angry, End quote. The man who wrote that is my guest today. Welcome, Charles
1: Murray. Bill, it's my pleasure.
0: Uh, your article helped a lot of people understand the Trump phenomenon. What were you seeing in America that many others had not?
1: Well, I was talking about the the ways in which, if I were a member of the white working class, I would be very angry at the elites. And some of them were the standard reasons about economics and uh, and and stagnant wages. But a lot of them too focused on. I, I, the example of a roofer is the one I use sometimes. A guy who's been making 18 bucks an hour as a roofer, and now he's out of work because all of the crews in his county are, are Latinos who are working for $13 an hour. And you can have all the technical articles you want saying that immigration is a win-win. And, in fact, I believe those. However, those are macro. When you get down to individual lives, you have people who are in the working class especially the white working class, paying the price for policies that the elites like, but, are oh, no, skin off their mm. nose.
0: So answer this, Charles. On election day, I met a man here in New York, age 55, from Turkey, immigrant, voted for Trump. The next day I met a cab driver, age 24, India, voted for Trump. The next day, met another driver, an immigrant, age 60. He's a father and a grandfather from Ecuador. He voted for Trump. These are not white males that I'm describing. And I'm just wondering if it's too simplistic for that.
1: Well, if you're talking about numbers, then I think the the point stands that you're talking about very, very large numbers. Of whites, both middle class and uh, working class, I don't know who voted for Trump. If you are talking about the, the the issue of this, does do people in the working class of all races sense that we have an elite that is condescending to them, that uh, doesn't respect them, doesn't worry about them? Yeah, I think that cuts across all sorts of lines. And I think that's another aspect of the Trump phenomenon that that people didn't understand. When we, and I will say, you know, we aren't part of the liberal elite, but we're part of an elite uh, uh, living on the coast. And so when we talk about flyover country, when we talk about rednecks, when we talk about uh, evangelical Christians in dismissive terms, this kind of thing does not go unnoticed. Uh, there, is no, there is no hiding the fact that you have elites around the country who think of themselves as an upper class and think of the working class as being beneath contempt in many cases.
0: Uh, now comes the hard part, and that is governing. Um... There's a line from a Bruce Springsteen song. It's called My Hometown. And the line, Charles, is this. Foreman says these jobs are going, boy, and they ain't coming back. And just this past week, President Obama was overseas and made a point to suggest that very idea. You know, jobs are not coming back because the economy, the country, the world has changed. Well, I think, Charles, the expectations from Trump supporters are very high. And I'm wondering if these people are setting themselves up to be disappointed again.
1: Oh, absolutely. The the idea that you're going to bring manufacturing jobs back is nuts. Uh, We are looking at a phenomenon of uh, replacement of people with machines that is getting faster rather than slower. And I've got news for you too, Bill. Well, you probably know this already. The big job losses are not going to be in the working class in years to come. They're going to be in the white collar jobs because artificial intelligence is now, after years and years of underperforming its expectations, it's now at a point where it can do all sorts of jobs that used to command very good salaries um, among people who were in the white collar world, so the short statement is: not only are manufacturing jobs not coming back, we have to prepare for a future a labor market that is much more problematic than we have ever seen. Uh, so, no how do you?
0: I think a lot of that comes down to education. How you reeducate uh, a generation of Americans? I think you'd probably agree with that, simply stated. Uh, but what about well, all these? What about all these people who flocked to Trump in this election? I mean, I, I just come back to the point. In four years, are they going to uh, are they going to be filled with a feeling that, hey, man, you told us this, and it did not happen?
1: Well, now we're getting we're moving from the reasons why the the working class had legitimate grie- grievances to governing, as you said. And here, it's no secret I was never Trump uh, during the campaign. And I have zero confidence on his ability to deliver on the promises he made. And in that case, it's hard for me to tell, because I'm not much of a political analyst. Four years from now, are we going to see the Trump voters saying that uh, he was was frustrated by the uh, establishment and he tried to do the right thing, and it wasn't his fault that he failed? Or will they blame Trump? And I don't know. Mm. But it'll be one of those
0: two. And we have a long way to go before that. And I think we could all agree that something's going to change in Washington come third week in January. You're going to have three, you know, the House, the Senate, um, a commander in chief from the same party. They will have the ability to move to move legislation. You know, what right. What they choose is something that, we, you know, we wait for that part of the story to be told. Um,
1: and I'll, I'll tell you, Bill, I have changed my mind on some of that legislation. How over so? The campaign. Uh, before, I was not in favor of limiting low-skill immigration. Now I am. I've always been in favor of enforcing the border. But uh, but the, the the Trump campaign made me realize that it is appropriate to think of our fellow citizens, Uh having, you know, they get favored position in terms of uh, what's going on in the economy and letting in a large stream of low-skilled workers. We've got to try what happens when we cut off that stream and say, "Okay, uh, you're not getting this competition for your jobs anymore. Uh, Are you guys going to go back in the labor force or not? And let's put up or shut up in terms of, of your complaints about immigration.
0: You write also about the American creed, three core pillars, egalitarianism, liberty, and individualism. So the, yeah. the expectation is that you get equal treatment under the law, equal opportunity, freedom of speech, limited government. And, and you write that the American creed has been shattered.
1: Well, that's uh, the most depressing thing of all. But
0: how do you define Shattered.
1: Hardly anybody believes it anymore. The Democratic Party, until the mid 1960s, was as much on board with these elements of the American Creed as the Republicans were. They had different policies, they they all sorts of things, but but they bought into that. But since the mid 1960s, Democrats have uh, openly used identity politics, openly rejected uh, the idea of individualism, so they've been They've been off, off the, uh, off the wagon for a long time. But what this election has shown is that an awful lot of Trump supporters—they aren't interested in limited government. They are interested in big government, as long as big government is giving them the things they want. They have departed. Who's left? Who is left? That sort of thinks that the, gee, the the Madisonian Constitution really is a treasure that should be restored as much as possible, who believe that government should leave people alone to leave their lives as they see fit. That's that's a much smaller part of the electorate than I thought 12 months ago.
0: You also made the point during the last half century uh, of economic growth, virtually none, I'm using your words now, none of the rewards have gone to the working class. And Charles, that that was Bernie Sanders' message. Um, Do you think that Bernie Sanders beats Donald Trump this past November 8th? Does he win in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania? Does he keep those blue counties in northern and northeastern Ohio blue instead of red?
1: What a fascinating question. Uh, I'll tell you, without answering it directly, because I don't know, but I will say this. The natural political party for a very large proportion of Trump supporters is the Democrats. That's their natural home. If you go back to uh, the 1950s, that's where they were. Uh, The the blue-collar guy was the core constituency of the Democratic Party. So, So what we're looking at, Bill, no matter what, is both of these parties, both Republicans and Democrats, have these huge rifts between them, and it's, it's hard for me to imagine them going back to business as usual. I think we're looking at some sort of really messy political alignment unfolding over the next several years.
0: Mm. But there's another line from your piece, and it's the first line. It says, quote, if you are dismayed by Trumpism, don't kid yourself that it will fade away if Donald Trump fails to win the Republican nomination, End quote. Mm-hmm. Well, he did win. What now?
1: I don't want to sound apocalyptic, but I will, in the sense that I think we are in the process of an evolution to an old society. You know, the the traditional construction of the United States was new and vibrant. We were something new under the sun. The whole idea of everybody's free to live their lives as they see fit was revolutionary. That whole concept that lay at the core of American exceptionalism is now pretty much a thing of the past. And I think that the prospect over the next 15 years is that we become like any other rich, kind of over-the-hill society. I think we're on a downhill track.
0: Charles Murray, thank you for your time. Listen, man, we'll hope for the best. How's that?
1: I am hoping for the best, believe me.
0: I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time.